Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, December 6th, 2021. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. How are things going, Alex? Very good. Thank you, Graham. The days have to be incredibly short for you now, no, in terms of daylight, because I notice in Paris here, it's getting kind of that miserable time of year where you just feel like you leave for work in the morning or take the kids to school and it's dark, and then you're coming back at the end of the day and it's dark. The, the other side to that, though, is Graham. You can see the sunrise this time of year and you can see the sunset this time of year. That's true. In the summertime, I just don't get up that early and I don't stay up that late. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) Um, So what's going on on the MBA admissions front? I mean, this has been, you know, we're we're recording this, you know, uh, Thursday week prior here. So um, this has been a busy week this past week. And I know the week ahead here, um, people are tuning in maybe on Monday, the week ahead is going to be really busy, right? With round one decisions. Yeah, yeah. We're in the midst of what we call decision weeks, right? So um, last week, um, Chicago, Yale, um, I assume Yale, that Yale was scheduled for fr- Friday of last week. So, um, and, and London Business School and this upcoming week, Harvard and Stanford are amongst a whole host of schools that are releasing decisions um, this week. So this week is going to be very, very interesting for lots of um, round one candidates. So fingers crossed everybody, but yeah, an exciting week ahead. Yeah, you and I say exciting. I think it's fraught with peril and nerves for <laughs> most of our listeners, but we do wish everyone the best of luck. Uh, I know a lot of you have been tuning in and kind of hanging out with us week in and week out, and you know, hopefully, uh, it's a, it's kind of a nice break and and allows you to kind of um, settle down and not be too nervous. But we are wishing the best for everyone that's waiting on news. Um, Alex, over on the website, we did a flurry of real humans pieces. So we did Siebs uh, out of China. We did. Kellogg um, at Northwestern, HEC, and UNC. Um, So lots of real human profiles that are up on the site. And I also um, noticed that we did a QA and a with David Simpson over at London Business School, which is great. And I I keep meaning to have him come on the show. So I'm going to email him and maybe we could do a special uh, admissions director Q&A with him on the podcast, and maybe both of us could do it. We'll have to see if he's willing to give us some time. <laughs> yeah, just to, just ask him to reply to my WhatsApp messages when you speak to him. Yeah, well, he doesn't always reply to mine either, so I don't know what's <laughs> going on. But, he's, uh, but anyway, really good Q&A with him on the website. If you're interested in LBS, you'd be a fool not to read that. Um, I also noticed we've just had a lot of interview reports coming in. You know, obviously, I think people are um, you know, interviews are, are almost wrapped up at this point. And I think what I hope is happening is people feel uh, a, a good amount of gratitude towards the candidates that came before them who filled out interview reports in past years and have really helped to build that archive we have on the website. We also do give out like gift cards, I think. There's like Amazon $10 gift cards for people who submit certain school interview reports each week. So stay tuned. I think those are posted every Monday or Tuesday on the website in terms of which schools are eligible. But yeah, we always love to see those reports coming in. And uh other than that, oh, talk a little bit about Clubhouse, Alex, because I know we, we were back on Clubhouse last week for the first time in a little while. And yeah, what, what, what's, what's, what do we have planned going forward? Yeah, I mean, it was fun, actually. We, we'd t- taken maybe three or four weeks off of Clubhouse. Um, and um, yeah, so, so we had a Clubhouse meeting last week. You know, the audience was a little bit smaller, and that's not surprising given that we'd, um, we, we'd not participated for a little while. But it was a great audience, a lot of familiar faces, names or, or whatever and conversation on stage and obviously those folks are waiting for those round one decisions so 
um, some some really interesting conversations. So I think we're going to plan to maybe do Clubhouse every second um, Thursday at this point. So not this Thursday, but the Thursday of the following week. And at that juncture, Graham, most people should have heard all their decisions from round one. So we hopefully we'll have a really interesting conversation about that. Yeah, so we'll be back on Clubhouse noon Eastern, December 16th. Uh, and I will say, you know, Alex, the one thing that's interesting about all this is that you know, the podcast is kind of a one-way sort of, um, you know, experience. People just consume it or whatever. And, and and the difference with Clubhouse is that we actually get to know and hear from the folks that are often regular listeners of the show or just regular community members over at clearedmit.com. And so now I'm like personally invested in learning what happens to some of these individuals that we've been enga- engaging with. So yes. um, I'm a little bit on pins and needles too, but I'm rooting for everyone. I did want to mention that we know how we, we always ask for reviews and, and people you know, write reviews in, in Apple Podcasts, but a lot of our listeners listen on Spotify, which doesn't allow for people to review. But I wanted to read um, on the air here, we got a, an email from someone who listens on Spotify and it was just incredibly touching. So I'm just going to read that out um, for people to hear. And basically the person said, hi, Graham and Alex, Spotify just released their year in review and Clear Admits MBA Admissions Podcast was my number one podcast this year. I started listening only from mid-August or so, but then didn't that didn't stop your podcast from getting the number one spot. Really appreciate both of you for the work you guys do on the podcast, and special thanks to the producer, Dennis Crowley, and the rest of the Clear Admit team as well. You guys featured me on episode 183 and gave me great advice to get my goals straight and asked me to set my sights, my eyes on round one apps. This advice made me think long and hard about my future career trajectory and how an MBA will help me get to where I want to be. This podcast is a constant source of motivation, and it also provides me with great information that helps me shape my candidacy for fall 2023. Beyond MBA admissions, I'm also able to take some valuable nuggets from ClearAdmit's podcast to help my girlfriend with her physical therapy graduate school application. I'm really thankful for all of ClearAdmit's services. Thanks again, guys, for all the great work. So, Alex, I hope, hey, maybe we'll get invited to that wedding, you know, yeah. since he's helping his girlfriend get into physical therapy school and he's going to owe that to us, right? So, <laughs> yeah. No, I th- I, yeah, I think that's absolutely brilliant. But also, it came along with a really cool graphic from Spotify saying that we are their number one, whatever. I, I hope we've kept that graphic, Graham, because I thought that was pretty slick. Yeah, the people at Spotify were probably really bitter. They had to go and dig up, a, you know, they had to create this special image with our logo and everything. You know, were, he's probably the only one, right? <laughs> it was the number one <laughs> podcast. But no, that was very cool. Uh, and we really appreciate um, that person writing to us. And and yeah, just that really makes our day. And and uh, yeah, it just makes it so much fun <laughs> to do these episodes and and yeah, to, to offer everything that Clear Admit's up to for everyone to take advantage of. So if you want to send us uh, mail, you can write to info at clearadmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps. You can also leave us an audio message, like literally just make a voice memo on your phone, send it in, and we'll play it on air and, and answer it. We haven't had any of those yet, Alex, so I'm thinking it's not super popular, but we'll, we'll continue to put the offer out there. Um, but otherwise, do you want to get into the candidates that you've picked? Because you have some interesting ones this week from all points across the globe, it seems. Yes, yes. Let's kick on. All right. So this is wiretaps candidate number one. So this candidate wants to start school next fall, and they've got nine schools on the target list, and those schools are Berkeley, Columbia, INSEAD, LBS, MIT, Kellogg, NYU, Stanford, and Chicago Booth. And this person's been working in sales and trading 
or initially in sales and trading, and then they moved into a kind of food delivery startup. Post-MBA, they want to get into consulting and or tech, and initially target companies are going to be Bain, Booz Allen, BCG, McKinsey. Their GMAT score is a 740, and their GPA is a 3.5. They've been working for four years, and they're in Hong Kong, but um, they've also uh, spent some time in Canada. In fact, they went to a top Canadian university where they studied comp sci and finance, and then they moved to Hong Kong when they graduated. And they did some, uh, what looks to be um, kind of, I don't know what you would call it, fixed income sales for a North American uh, investment bank over in Hong Kong. And they did really well there, but then they moved on to this kind of startup in food delivery. And they didn't say what, you know, what startup it was, but, you know, they mentioned that it's, you know, kind of in the ballpark of a Deliveroo or Breeds type thing, right? So um, that's what they're doing now. And yeah, they're, I guess, post-MBA looking to land in the U.S. or Canada. So Alex, I know I wrote a comment to this person and, and, you know, kind of had some thoughts, but what's your take initially out of the gate on the candidate like this with these numbers and, and profile given their target schools? Yeah, I mean, frankly, I love this candidate, Graham. I think the one weakness might be their current um, sort of extracurricular sort of activities. Mm -hmm. um, but even that is mitigated to some extent by being super active during their undergraduate studies. Because oftentimes what will happen is, um, you know, folks are so super busy in whatever work that they're doing that then they don't really show other additional activities. But if they can point back to their undergraduate experience and show that they were a leader on campus and they were fully involved and engaged, I think ADCOM really um, sort of um, understand that. But anyway, so why do I think this is super strong candidate, Graham? I love that pivot. Um, you know, they, they've gone into what, you know, whatever fixed income sales trading is. And, you know, obviously that's um, quite, quite an important um, role coming out of um, undergrad. And, you know, they're obviously doing, doing well, well in it. And, and then typically they would go off and get an MBA and go on and do something very successful. But I really like the candidates that maybe did two or three years in, in banking or in consulting or whatever, and then switched to a different role before coming to the MBA, um, assuming that role makes perfect sense for whatever they want to do going forward and so on and so forth. But in this case, they went into what looks like a very entrepreneurial sort of environment um, and, and, and it's sort of food delivery and, and it's a, a dominant player in whatever their region is and they're, they're sort of helping grow the business from a sales standpoint and, and so on and so forth. Um, frankly, Graham, I love that. Um, and, and you yeah. combine that with great stats or at least, um, you know, stats that are, are, are very good and so forth. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of this candidate. Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, when I initially responded to them, I pointed out two potential weaknesses for me. One was current extracurriculars, but as you say, they were really active in undergrad and, and hopefully they can point out some stuff that they're doing now, um, even if it's more hobbies or, you know, informal things, just so they don't appear to be too one-dimensional or anything. Um, it's also going to be, I think, understood to an extent that if they're working in a really um, you know, kind of startup environment, intense, et cetera, that they might be putting in a ton of hours. And, you know, I think most of our listeners know that schools ask you often how many hours a week you're working, and that does factor in with their expectations for your ECs. The other weakness, though, for me, and I don't know if it's fair to call it a weakness, but 
I was hoping for career goals that would draw upon this mix of kind of finance expertise and now start up in the sort of food delivery space, which is a really interesting space that, you know, clearly took off during the pandemic because of people's need to sort of stay in, um, but still want, you know, food from, from the outside world. So I think there's, there's a lot going on there and that I was hoping to hear, oh yeah, I want to and get an MBA so I can go and take on a much more senior role at an Uber Eats or, you know, Deliveroo or, you know, Amazon Whole Foods, or I, I don't know what, what they might want to target. And so I, I pointed that out to them and I said, wow, you know, you might be missing an opportunity to sort of differentiate yourself. And they then wrote back and said, yeah, they're interested in that kind of stuff, but they thought consulting might be a good first step. And I'm fine with that, but I just want to make sure that their applications have that storyline in it, even if it is, oh, first I want to do consulting, hone some of my skills that I pick up in B school, but then I really want to pivot back into this industry, which I'm excited by or whatever. So I just wanted to make sure that they weren't like sort of um, brushing their past experience under the rug and saying, yeah, I'm just going to go do consulting. And and that would, you know, be, it's just harder to stand out in that case because everyone wants to do consulting or at least a big chunk of the applicant pool. So I don't know if you agree with that. I know we talked about it a little bit. No, I think it's a very fair point, Graham. But but I also think that this candidate does recognize that mm-hmm. um, and and will, will, I mean, I'm hoping anyway, will, will sort of um, recognize that certainly with their longer term goals. Yeah. Um, so consulting in the short run, longer term goal going going into an opportunity that sort of um, takes advantage of what they've already done. Um, this is a complete aside, Graham. Yep. Um, so, so I apologise to podcast listeners, but but I used to, I used to teach marketing right at the University of Delaware, mm-hmm. and I used to teach an intro course, and we used to do a project that the students would do group projects to sort of show that they understand some marketing concepts. And I I swear that food delivery service was the, the the number one type of um, class project that I would receive semester upon semester. <laughs> and this is the mid-1990s. Yeah. Um, but it's completely hot right now. I mean, it has been for a year or two, but as you say, in, in with the pandemic, it's, it's completely accelerated. But yeah, food delivery, I, I, I remember that in the 1990s. The students were really passionate about um, coming up with those types of business where they'd go to the local restaurants on, on Main Street in Newark, Delaware, they'd sign them up as part of their service and so on and so forth. So yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's just taken a little while because I remember even, you know, several years later when I was at Wharton, people were interested in this idea, even with all the, all the food trucks you have in Philly that make really amazing food that people are like, oh, it would be cool to get this stuff delivered to your door. Um, But I think one of the things that's happened is that I feel like, you know, the app universe has really facilitated this um, and people, yeah, the fact that everyone has a mobile device in their pocket that can do all these different things and help, um, you know, just eke out even greater efficiencies. Yeah. But yeah, it's really interesting as a space and yeah, definitely has taken off <laughs> of late. Um, I'm guilty of using it quite a bit myself. Uh, so um, in any event, let's move on though. Uh, I want to thank that person for their post and yeah, wish them the best of luck as they get these applications in and, and wait for news. But yeah, I think really strong candidate who should end up with some options from that group of schools on their list. So um, let's move on though and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is another ApplyWire entry candidate targeting uh, next fall. Uh, they're going to be applying, I believe, in round two, and they've got 
just three schools on the target list, at least when they posted, they said Harvard, Stanford, and Wharton. And pre-MBA, they've been working in, they say, at a derivative structuring desk um, for one of the top investment banks. They want to get into private equity after business school, and they indicate target companies like Blackstone, uh, Goldman Sachs Principal Investment Group, KKR. And as far as the numbers are concerned, they have a 720 GMAT, a 3.3 GPA, three years of work experience, and they are located in Tokyo. Which was a bit of a curveball for me. You know, they're, they're um, yeah. So all the way over in Tokyo, they indicate that, um, you know, they're now doing. I guess they started with this sort of derivative structuring stuff for a big bank um, in Japan, but now they've more recently, I guess, moved into real estate, private equity, and again, they are applying round two this year. And you know, the first thing I have to ask you, Alex, that jumped out at me is. What do you what say you about the fact that they just have the trilogy on their list that Harvard, Stanford, Wharton? Because I know that always um, <laughs> kind of you know catches my eye when I see someone with just those three schools on the list. Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, it's a risky strategy. Stra- strategy, I right. should say, <laughs> it's a it's a risky strategy, right? Yeah. So you're you're applying only to the very elite. They did reveal. Um, in in our conversation, that they're also considering Columbia and, and Booth, which which makes perfect sense actually, yeah. given their sort of um, their you know their their experience and goals. So yeah, I would say trilogy or bust is risky, but but they they are going to spread the spread their 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 apps a little bit. I mean, a little bit concerned. Like if you're applying to adding Columbia and you're not applying to Columbia early decision, you're kind of after the eight ball a little bit. In, in that regard, so so, but Booth um, for, for sure, may, maybe also look at one other. Um, overall, Graham, you know, the 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 question for me sort of almost becomes: Is this um, person Japanese, or as you say, are they um, U.S. Uh, or, or, or non-Japanese working in Tokyo? And frankly, I think that makes a bit of a difference here. Yeah, um, because. Um, my assumption was that they're Japanese. I think your assumption was more maybe there's someone else working in Tokyo. But if they're Japanese, that's fine. Um, they, they, I'm guessing that they've done very well at work. Um, you know, they talk about what they've done working on a structuring team within markets or whatever. I mean, that kind of um, resonates with me a little bit. But let, let's assume they've done very, very well at work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you're, you've moved on into a private equity um, situation that, that that signals that you've done very well. I just want to make sure that they're not just unidimensional and there's a little bit more about this candidate than simply doing extremely well at work and looking for a branded MBA to then continue on in this um, very sort of progressive path or whatever it might be. Because as an adcom, I want to look at and think about, well, how is this person going to truly contribute to the two-year experience of, of their classmates and so on and so forth? And, you know, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. And sometimes you get these types of folks that do very well at work, don't show a lot of other stuff. They, they do very well in the classroom, but they don't really fully engage in, in, the, in the community activities and that. So I did ask them that question, Graham, mm-hmm. and they said that um, they, they have several um, leadership activities, such as president of the finance club, which I assume was probably back in their undergrad, sporting activities and community service at work. So 
I'm hoping there's enough there because I would expect them to have been president of the finance club, quite frankly. But that doesn't <laughs> tell me there's a little, another d- dimension to this person. So these sporting activities and community service at work, if there's some real good impact there, to me, that's the icing on the cake. And that might be what separates what appears to be someone that's done very well at work with a really good pathway going forward to someone that um, is, is also going to contribute to their classmates' learning and has interests outside of simply doing well in their banking or finance domain. Yeah, I yeah I agree with you. Um, the old adage is, you know, there's some candidates out there, particularly the accountants and bankers and stuff, where, you know, as an admissions reader, you worry, do they fall into that good with numbers, not with people category? <laughs> you know, so um, so that's always important. That's where the extracurriculars come in, where the re- reference letters come in as well. But I think, yeah, this person. I was curious to know, and I did ask them, and they haven't responded yet, but I asked them, yeah, are you Japanese or are you from somewhere else? Did you do your undergrad in Japan? Because I wanted to, one thing you and I were talking about before we came on air is that there are somewhat different expectations from one market to another in varying dimensions of the application. So for example, um, you know, we talked about how testing scores out of South America on average are going to be lower than those out of North America because there's this tradition of standardized testing in the North, you know, North America and there isn't in South America. Um, and so that's an understood thing. When you're an admissions reader, if you see a 720 out of Brazil, that might compare more to like a 750 out of America or something, right? So you, you know that intuitively as you're reading the files. Um, and I wonder, you know, when you see a candidate from a market like Japan, where work is super intense and there's less of a tradition of lots of outside activities and stuff, you know, do you allow for that? And so I, I don't know if you want to comment on that, because I, I think that there is some leeway there. But again, when we're talking about the very top schools, uh, namely the trilogy here, you kind of need to do it all, right? <laughs> yeah, there is some leeway. I think you're right. But the, the point is more... Let's say you are that Brazilian with a with a 680 GMAT. If you know you can improve that score by 10 or 20 points, you go and retake the test. Right. So if you're Japanese and, and you've obviously done extremely well at work, but there are other aspects of your personality and your your profile that's that show that you're not sort of unidimensional, you want to make sure you do highlight them through your application. So it's more of sort of guidance to make sure that that other stuff comes through well, because they want to break that stereotype to some extent. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, wow, we've got this person from this region of the world and they do all this stuff. That's very cool. Yeah. And I think the other thing I want to mention is that there are advantages either way you look at this. If this person is a Japanese national, there are relatively fewer yeah. um, Japanese candidates applying to these top schools, and and they're you know often coveted. So it, that that's a benefit as long as they can you know tick the other boxes and things. So that's a good thing. If they are, let's say, an American or a Canadian that somehow ended up working in Japan, that also could be interesting because it makes them a bit of a global citizen. It's a differentiator, yeah. and I would presume they'd have all kinds of stories to tell about adjusting to a new culture, maybe learning some language. So they're they're benefits there potentially too. But yeah, just we don't have the full picture on this candidacy. But I I think, um, you know, they're competitive at the same time. 
you know, the numbers are 723.3, that they're going to be below average at these very top schools, which is amazing to say. Yeah. Um, so they're going to need to work to get in. It's not going to be a slam dunk kind of thing. And it never is with these very top schools anyway, um, but still. So they just need to go in with their eyes open there. And I'm going to wish them the best of luck as they buckle down over the holidays here and get, get all these applications together to submit in round two. I think, yep, very good. Best of luck to them. Yeah, so let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So this is another apply wire entry. Again, someone looking to start next fall. They are targeting um, just three schools, Carnegie Mellon, Emory, and UT Austin. And they've been working in engineering and consulting, or I guess what they call engineering consulting. So I guess that that's that's what I should have said. <laughs> um, Post-MBA, they want to get into consulting consulting. <laughs> and the companies on their list are AT Kearney, which I think is now just called Kearney, um, Bain and BCG. Uh, the GMAT score is a 710 and the GPA is a 3.9. They've been working for four years. They're in the US and they wanna stay in the US. And they mentioned in the comments that they are from the extreme ORM side of the applicant pool. They specify South Asian, male, non-US. So um, I think that means that they're, even though they're living and working in the States right now, they're not a US citizen. Um, and they mentioned that they think top 15 schools are out of their reach considering they have a lower GMAT 710. Um, they mentioned that they um, got a 49 on the quant and a 37 on the verbal, and they've had a couple of promotions at work. So we can get into it, but what's what do you make of this candidacy? Because 3.9 GPA is pretty stunning, um, and they're you know in the U.S. now working, but 710 GMAT might be a little below average for the you know the very best schools. Um, but yeah, what do you make of them? Because they have the schools on their list, you know, are, are schools sort of top 20 type schools that are very much in range with these numbers. But yeah, what's your take on this? Yeah, I mean, this is a tricky um, case, I think, because on the surface, you know, someone with a 3.9 GPA, I'm assuming it's in an engineering discipline. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, that's ridiculously good. Um, now, their GMAT 710, you would say, well, that's not off the charts. But it's still a decent score. I'm kind of curious why that GMAT isn't even a little bit higher, quite honestly. If you've got a 3.9 GPA, um, yeah, if that GMAT was at that 740.50 or whatever, then then that would be sort of more aligned, I think, with the, with, with the GPA. But nevertheless, I think this person is super smart. And, you know, for, for, for the target programs that they have listed, you'd think, well, actually, maybe they should... Um, be be aiming a little bit higher, um, you know. They're they're they. We let's assume they've got had several promotions, engineering consulting. Let's assume they've done well, um, and if that can be reinforced by their their recommenders, and their recommenders say really nice things about them, and they seem like a you know potential strong future leader and very likable and all that other stuff. I would say, well, they should be applying M7 slash top 16 in terms of that would be where they would fit. The, 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 the issue here is it sounds like they might be, let's say, Indian heritage, um, currently living in the States, maybe Indian national, but, but certain Indian heritage living in the States. So they are overrepresented. They didn't apply in round one. That's the kicker here, Graham, yeah. to me. Yeah. If they'd have been able to get their ducks in a row and, and target round one, then I'd have been like, yeah, target some, some um, top 16 at least. Um, but 
Um, so, so what I'm looking at here is, what, what about outside of work? Like, if this person can, comes across as really well-rounded, as super interesting, and super likable, engaging, and so on and so forth, I can really still see them being a good top 16 candidate. And hopefully, they'll see some really good results from the, the schools that they've targeted. But they should probably add in maybe one or two others, like Michigan Ross or something like that. The reality is, unless they get rejected, for, let's say they... Uh, do do target these three schools, which are very good programs in of themselves, and they get three admits. Are they going to look back and say, "Did I aim high enough?" Yeah, I you know there, there are so many things with this candidacy. Even though on the surface it seems simple, but you know they, I mean they mentioned in the note that they've been promoted twice over three years, and that they have one more promotion coming in the middle of twenty two, um, if all goes to plan. So I feel like they're you know they're excelling at work, and they also claim they have really strong um, or relatively strong leadership in social organizations and even from back in college as well. So I'm also, I mean, we don't know where they went to college. You know, I, I'm wondering if they went to college in America um, or maybe it was, you know, in their home country. I, I don't know, but that also could be a factor. I mean, you know, if they went to a, a decent school, that GPA starts to be even more impressive. Um, so I, yeah, I couldn't help but think that, wow, you know, if they had retaken the test, and by the way, you know, their current um, GMAT score, which I, I mentioned is a 710, but the breakdown is 74th percentile math and 83rd percentile verbal, which means it's it's pretty balanced, you know, so it's not like they have one sort of big deficiency or anything. And, you know, 710 is a very respectable score. Um, I Yeah, I couldn't help but wonder, wow, what if they... Like you said, what if they were to retake that test and, and could somehow secure a 730 or 750 or somewhere in there, would that change the picture here? Because then suddenly they'd be above average in all academic counting stats and they're, you know, they're excelling at work. They have decent extracurriculars. It starts to look really interesting and, and starts to look top 16, if not M7 to me. And so I wondered you know, whether they're yeah, maybe selling themselves a little short. Um, I love the schools on their list. I mean, the, they're schools that I think they're going to have a really good chance of gaining um, admission to uh, and could really excel at. But I just wondered, gosh, you know, what would this look like? And I, I, the other question I had for them is, boy, what if they waited another year? You know, what if they just took the time this year to really work on hitting the GMAT out of the ballpark right. and to maybe bolster some of their current outside activities, get all their ducks in a row so that they could hit round one next fall with all the top schools and and go from there. But again, maybe that's not, maybe that doesn't work for them in terms of their you know personal life or schedule and stuff. But that was something that did occur to me as well. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I mean, they've, they've got, well, they say they'll have four years of experience, so that's fine in of itself i think the question that the reason why you're bringing this up graham is if they can continue on a good sort of progressive path at work get that next promotion um, but then apply in round one their chances will be better in round one than they will be in round two i think they understand that yeah now mm -hmm. but that that i i think is is, is quite clear yeah. So, and then the last thing I wanted to ask you, and this is just more of a philosophical thing, but they had this note in their initial post where they said, you know, that they're open to considerations about which schools they should apply to, right? And they said location doesn't matter. Um, obviously, they want to be in the U.S. after after business school, but they're they're not worried about which coast or any of that stuff. It seems. And then they said, total compensation is my main priority for the post MBA job. 
And so I don't know, that kind of struck me because, you know, they're looking at consulting and, you know, the truth is, is that there's not going to be a huge variance, whether you go into, if you go to work at Bain from, you know, Tepper versus going to work at Bain from, I don't know, Ross, like, I don't think there's a big <laughs> salary change. You know, it's sometimes from office to office, it changes, but they're not. So, so I think that's kind of a fixed thing. If they know they want to do consulting, the compensation is going to be, you know, unless they're thinking about, um, you know, longer term, maybe there are differences that start to emerge with some of the very top programs and earning potential. But so I don't, I don't know that that's the right benchmark to use. I think they should probably, you know, think about maybe what's the placement like, right? you know, how good are these programs on their target list at getting people jobs at these firms that they indicate they're interested in? I think that's where you could argue that point, Graham. The opportunity to get that Bain consulting job is going to be a little bit higher at Ross. I agree. Potentially than at Tepper. So yeah. So you could factor that into their, their goal for sort of total compensation. And, yeah. you, you, you know, you should argue that, um, you know, the better the program correlates with the higher the total compensation. The other factor to include in all that, Graham, is um, if you're if you're an MBA program in the New York metropolitan area, you know you, the the salaries are going to be higher. The the cost of living is going to be higher than if you're in 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 the Midwest or something like that. So make sure they factor that in too. Yeah, and I think that's something that's often overlooked. People get super excited when they see some of these, you know, average salaries for, you know, schools like Stern or Columbia or any of the schools in the Northeast. And then, you know, you compare that to like, I don't know, Tepper or Ross, where maybe the average starting salary is a little bit lower, but a lot of that just has to do with location. Um, and, and you know, it'd be good to know, I mean, you know, like obviously if you're working for, you know, Bain or BCG um, in, you know, a kind of smaller market, whether it's Cleveland or Pittsburgh or, you know, and I don't know where, I mean, I know they have offices in some of these markets and they don't in others, but you know, the, the whole experience is going to be different in terms of your cost of living. So you got to factor that in. Um, but in any event, this is an interesting candidacy. And I think they have a lot of options. I would encourage them to, if they are going to apply this year and they are going to apply in round two, and that is what it is, and they're going in with the test score that they have, they're not going to make any changes there. I still think they should probably apply to more than these three and that they may want to add you know, a school or even two that are in the top 16, just to see where the chips fall. You never know. And, you know, obviously, as I said, they've had kind of an interesting work background. There are a lot of things that could potentially go their way. Um, so, you know, again, that, that would be my advice. Otherwise they could wait a year and, and, and go after this full on with an M7 kind of <laughs> emphasis if they, you know, worked on the test and these other things. Great advice, Graham. Yeah. So um, that's it, Alex. Thanks for, you know, picking out these entries as always. And uh, I did want to ask everyone that's tuned in to please remember to rate and review the show, or at least to tell people, you know, um, how much fun it is to tune in once a week with us. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I also want to just wish everyone the best of luck again, who, if you're waiting on decisions and, you know, kind of from round one applications, hang in there. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster over the next couple of weeks, but Alex and I are rooting for you. So Alex, I guess we'll do it all again in one week's time. Brilliant. Best of luck, everyone. Stay safe.